Uh, welcome everyone, this is episode three of Pats Uncovered. I've got Kim McIntosh in front of me and I have not messed up saying her name like I have for the last two um, people <laughs> I've had on the episodes. So this is a great start already and I'm really, really excited to have her here today. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked to actually be a guest on your first five podcasts. I know, stop. I think we've talked about this like very long time ago <laughs> and I was like, I might do this. And you're like, yes, catch and go, which is like your usual way of talking in terms of like really encouraging anyway. And I was like, maybe I will. <laughs> and then it just never happened for months. But we're here now and it's all sorted we're and we're yes. going away. So Kim, do you want to introduce yourself and kind of just how we're here, how we've met, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, definitely. So uh, Kim, Canadian by birth, but do have a citizenship now in Canada and Australia. Ooh. Uh, and Akanksha and I met at Telstra when we were both working at Telstra Purple. I am a product manager on a, sort of a big data product um, hosted in Telstra Purple and Akanksha luckily was posted onto our team for a short while and worked her magic and we became friends on Twitter and all things Hamilton funness <laughs> and we uh, no longer on the same team but definitely stay in touch and we're here today. Exactly oh my god I'd forgotten about the Hamilton stuff and how we like fully <laughs> were like we're gonna go viral on Twitter and get free tickets oh it was a great time in my life honestly got me Pretty through tried. lockdown. <laughs> But hey, if someone's listening and they've got Hamilton tickets, I'm all about this. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, exactly. Oh, I think I remember back to like the time I was on that team and it's been great having been on so many different teams and consulting, but then the actual team does make such a big difference to the project itself. Like even if you're not really enjoying the work or anything, not that I wasn't, I actually was for that project. <laughs> but like it just, the whole team Good makes name. such a big difference to that whole atmosphere, I think. And it's like, oh, I was very glad you were where you were at the time I was where I was and we got to meet. Um, but yeah, look, we'll dive st straight in because essentially I keep making them really, really long because people's lives are so interesting. But then I also realized nobody wants to sit there and listen to me talk for an hour. <laughs> so we're going to try and get into it really quickly and actually try and keep it to a somewhat manageable length this time. Don't know how we'll get with it. I mean, I've heard you talk about bits and I'm just like, can you talk forever? That will be great. So we'll see where we go. Um, so yeah, right. you just said you're Canadian. Do you want to talk a bit about, because I mean, I'm assuming you were born there, grew up there, everything yeah, yeah. I have a, a, a unique past in the sense that my career has hopped all over the place, um, purely because I think I'm driven by uh, what makes me happy versus um, a set set goal for um, wage or career path, limiting myself to one vertical. So, um, yeah, born in Canada in Ottawa, which is the capital of Canada. So kind of like um, Canberra for Australia, I guess. Very governmenty and safe and pretty, a little boring. Uh, which is why I left after university and moved to Toronto, which is equivalent to Sydney in Australia. Sort of better vibe, busier financial district, a lot of suits walking around and pubs and, and whatnot and more action. So I did that for university and studied hospitality and tourism for a year, actually, uh, which was interesting and, and fun. And then swapped over to finance. I um, spent way more hours in the library doing that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got to know all the cleaners because I it didn't come naturally to me like some of my colleagues. So I studied a lot and I would be the last one out of the whole building with the cleaner going still here, Kim. I'm like, yep, probably will sleep here. Uh, so, so that was university in Toronto. And then it was actually a, 
a chance to study abroad for a semester, which is what brought me to Australia for the first time. Uh, I had to link up my course credits with universities overseas in Australia. The University of Curtin in Perth was the one that got matched. I uh, had never been there before, so went, sure, great, go for it. I kind of say yes to everything if I can. So did that, landed in Perth, did a little Contiki tour in New Zealand for two weeks first, as you do, and then popped over to Perth and spent three to four months there just doing student life, which was a lot of study, a lot of drinks, a lot of rugby games, a lot of beaches, and then had to go back to Toronto. So did that, finished uni, worked a little bit, worked in wealth management for an amazing private wealth management firm that I love, um, and then decided I wanted to move back to Australia in 2012. Now, here we are, almost 10 years later. Yeah, nine Still years. Right. It's insane. <laughs> oh, that's the truth. Like, I mean, it's bizarre because, like, shockingly enough, like, a lot of those things actually line up with my own life in that sense of... I mean, my family had moved over. So when I started college, which was in Ireland, I like my family had moved over to Perth originally. So all my winters, well, ah. all my summer holidays were winter in Australia. And I would spend my life in perpetual winter because I would spend like <laughs> winter time in Ireland. And then my summer would be in Australia, which is also winter. And it was like four years is just winter. Um, but it was, I mean, it was but, great. But like coming like, Winter in Perth is pretty good. Oh, Perth was like such an ideal place. And I mean... <laughs> I still say this to my I'm like, yeah, when you retire, you're retiring to Perth because I need that as a place to go home to. Like, as in, can we yes. go back to that life? That was great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, Very slow and just enjoyed. So yeah, so you did... Oh, so okay, that makes a bit more sense. I was like, where did the wealth management thing come from? So you did the finance degree and you tried wealth management for a while. So what made you actually decide to... Kind of, like, Was it just a case that you wanted to move back to Australia or was it the work that you weren't really happy with? Yeah, I just loved the the country and the lifestyle work. The firm I was working for, again, I loved, and it was because of the people. The people I worked for were amazing. Uh, but lifestyle-wise, wanted to... I'm a very outdoorsy person. And when I was in Perth and was piecing it together that you can actually be outside every day of the year, it was like, I'm moving back. <laughs> no questions about it. Canada's lovely uh, and snow is very pretty, but enjoying it, for holiday and looking at it from afar is very different to living in it. So it was a very easy decision, um, probably a bit of a naive decision. I was young, but don't regret it at all. It just was like, I want to move there. So I'm going to, and I did it. I didn't really think outside of that little circle. No, I love that. I mean, did you, okay. I mean, I like the fact that you're like, this is what I want to do. This is going to happen. End of story. So did you come out just like start looking for jobs here or was that pre-planned or kind of winging it? it? It was a little pre-planned, but not definitely winged it. So I had to leave my job in wealth management, which was fine. I ended up working a little contract job for uh, a a technology agency, actually, um, in a funny way. That's a full circle doing uh, helping the CFO. So sort of her assistant uh, because of my financial background. And when I first moved out here, they kind of said, well, why don't we try doing a remote thing? You can keep doing what you're doing and we'll keep you on and maybe we can spin up something in Australia. Long story short, didn't work. Uh, Canadian hours didn't really suit. uh, So I just hit the pavement here. I did do a little bit of work with them and kind of closed off what I was working on and ended up getting a short-term contract at Macquarie Bank in the CBD of Sydney, uh, 
which was very fun. I swore to myself I would never work for a big bank from my experience working with a private boutique wealth management firm who actually values their customers. So uh, morally, I was really struggling with working at Macquarie Bank, even though the people again were nice. And that contract ended. And what did I do after that? I Oh, I ended up working at Lululemon which is a Canadian-born um, activewear leisure company. And it's one of those funny things. At the time, if you're Canadian, it's quite easy. I don't know if that's the right word, but simple to get a job at Lululemon because you know the brand, you've grown up with it, you love it. So ended up working retail, which was really kind of fun. It was a break from corporate world. I met fellow Canadians and we jammed from day one, which was really cool. I'm actually still friends with them today. So some lifelong friends that are working there. And yeah, I just kind of knew I wanted to stay here. So it was all right, what's next? I have a paycheck, cool. I need to now get sponsored so I can get my PR and get my citizenship. And randomly through a contact at Lululemon ended up managing a sailing club for three years. Not a sailor, uh, but again, (laughs) again, they needed help in the office setting up procedures and getting things a bit more online uh, and that side of things. So that I could do and they ended up sponsoring me. So. That's how I ended up getting my PR in Australia. You were, oh, see, this is why I didn't look at anything before, because I'm like, <laughs> a sale, like, this has literally never even come up, and I get it, because, like, you've done a hundred billion things, you're like, I mean, wh- like, where does this even come up, unless you specifically ask for it, right? And it's like, it's so interesting, and I mean, it's interesting to see how, like, I mean, I can see how the skills between each different thing will translate easily to everything you're doing, even now, like, I can see that, but it's... I think people just don't value that at the time. Others, when there's like, oh, you're working retail, like, how's that going to lead to anything in tech? And I'm like, it does so much. <laughs> like, I yeah. worked in retail. I mean, it does a lot to go towards yeah. it. Oh, yeah. I think it's a, the soft skills, the dealing with different personalities and being held accountable and doing odd shifts and being okay with it. And yeah. Okay, cool. So we're now at the sailing club and we've been here for three years and like in Australia for what, four or five years now at this stage? Yeah, probably four, four years because I did a year of Macquarie. Well, in a year I did Macquarie Bank and Lululemon and a bit of nothing. <laughs> Getting my bearings. It's just what you need though, like I say, and I like that. Yeah. <laughs> just a little yeah. break. And I mean, I say that as someone yeah. who's literally jumped from one thing to another for the whole like up until now. And I'm like, a break would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, people yep. keep talking about traveling. I'm like, yes, what is the borders that? open. We will do that. <laughs> but yeah, okay, yeah. cool. So, what, like, how did that come around to an end then? In that sense of, well, I know you're not a sailing manager anymore. So, uh, I ended up getting my permanent residency that came through, and I mean, being in your mid early twenties at the time, there's not really anywhere to go f- after being manager of the sailing club. So just. Next step, obviously, was, all right, let's get out of this lovely view of the water and get back to a bit of reality and (laughs) find a career job, that kind of nonsense. Um, I relied a little bit on my PT, uh, taking clients and some cash jobs while I was looking for my next gig. And uh, yeah, that ended up being at Twitter. I had a, a friend who worked there and they were hiring at the time. So I put my CV in and got the job as the EA to the managing director of the Australian office, which was very cool. Um, huge. 
Yeah, yeah. The the team there again, team was awesome. Uh my boss, she was amazing. We still chat. Uh I kind of see her as a mentor. I just love the way she works and thinks. And I was able to kind of get across how Twitter works in the sales side, a little bit in the marketing side, a little bit in the user acquisition side. Uh, and was kind of left to my own demise, which I love because I just run for the hills and try and learn as much as I can. So yeah, that, that took me to Twitter, which was the next phase after a sailing club. It's just a, what a great sentence, honestly, in that sense of, <laughs> yeah, right after a sailing club, it was Twitter for me. <laughs> I mean, like, people just don't see it. And I'm like, oh, that's just so cool. Especially because I think, and what really stands out to me is the fact that you just weren't afraid to try all the other things. Like, you were happy trying all these other things where so many people, and I, I know so many people who are like, God, I'm 25. Like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I'm like, you're 25. You shouldn't know what you're doing with your life. Like, it's exactly. fine. Like, it'll sort itself out. Oh, I'm glad that you said that. <laughs> I mean, you never know. You'll do a job, you end up at Twitter the next day. So who knows, really, right? It's like, it's all good. Exactly. Exactly. Just got to get out there. So, okay, great. Oh my God, Twitter. So like, what what was your experience like that? Like, the people were great. You learned a bit about Twitter. How, what else did you kind of end up doing and taking away from that? Uh, it was really nice because the, the Sydney office... I wasn't there for too long, but it kind of felt like a smaller enterprise, but realistically they're a global entity. But because there were only about 50, I think, headcount at the time, you just got to know everyone, worked with everyone daily. Uh, The vibe was really positive and energetic. There wasn't any hierarchy at all. There were obviously roles that had decision-making levels set, but you pretty much could talk to and make your own decisions, which I love. And they really understood work-life balance. So a lot of really good perks, kitchen, always food in it. Uh, The manager there of the office took really good care of us. She treated us like family. So yeah, it was really positive. I loved it. I would have stayed. So what did make you leave then? Ah, I I love the segue in there. It was perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Makes my life easier. Um, Yeah. Well, they did a, so the head office did a restructure globally. So they did a reshuffle and then because I was an EA, obviously my roles made redundant because those positions got changed as well. So I, yeah, was made redundant. Sad enough, but it happens. Like, how did you take that? Like, what were the feelings around that? Actually, I'm just, it's more interest. I mean, I know there's other restructuring stuff happening at the moment, even with Telstra, like some affect us, some don't. And I'm kind of hesitant at times to ask the people who I mean they're friends like they're really good friends and I'm like I don't want to put you through the feelings right now because you've already gone through them but like what was that like for you I for me it wasn't too bad it was sad and devastating because I really wanted to grow a career there but I was still young and I knew I had made really good friends and a good network so I just thought okay well let's take the experience I had and find the next thing That being said, you know, I didn't have any responsibilities per se at the time, no kids, um, no, you know, partners relying on me or anything like that. So it's a bit easier to take the shock. Uh, But I never thought, oh, it was me. You know, you can't really take that on. It's, it's business. It's how they're run. They're a little bit cutthroat at times because they have to be. So it's fine. Yeah, no, fair. So you've been made redundant and luckily as you just said like I mean there isn't everything else kind of hanging on at the moment like just for the specific job so what was next was it just another little bit of a break or did you kind of jump straight into something else yeah I definitely I think literally that afternoon that I was made redundant I just set out a spam of emails and messages to to friends just to start to put feelers out there I knew that a few people from Twitter would be doing the same so it was kind of like there's a few people looking now so I, I did that, then hit pause, and I went back to PT for a few months, uh, which is great. I've always done that. It's just nice to have a fallback, and I 
love it as a passion. So that was fine. Enjoyed that for a bit. And two things kind of happened. That's when my idea came for the startup that I have. Uh, So worked on that pretty hard during that time period. It was over Christmas as well. And I did get uh, redundancy payout. So I was able to balance working on a startup and then slowly got interviewing for a position at Telstra at the same time. That's all that happened. Okay, cool. That's so interesting, I think. And I mean, there was something you just said that sparked something. We'll come back to me. I'll come back to that point. But okay, great. So now, was it a connection or was it just something that kind of happened for Telstra? Um, yes, it was through a colleague I'd worked with at Twitter. Ah, oh, there you go. I think people don't value networks enough, honestly. Oh my God. It's, it's stronger than a CV, seriously. Like, it just makes such a difference. And I'm like please go make the effort, like go to the meetups, go just even at work, talk to the people around you. Like there's so many people I know that just will go into work every day, come home and that'll be that. Like outside of their like little radius, I'm like, but talk, there's so many people around you. They've done so many things. It's so worth it. Um, yeah. But look, oh, sorry. That was what the other thing I was going to ask was, and I think the other thing people don't value is having kind of things outside of just the specific career that they're in right so your passion of pt like having that additional thing to fall back onto it's just such a safety net and i think i mean i can understand why for a lot of people it's not a possibility and i get that but i mean if any possible way that you can have something to kind of fall back on it makes such a difference it just takes so much stress out of your life i think to have oh, yeah. a safety net behind you mm-hmm. i think pt is just such a great way <laughs> like you get to keep in shape as well like perfect <laughs> Yeah, well, it's just the natural fit. I mean, I'm obviously PT, so I'm, you know, addicted to it. But I think the there's a very interesting correlation. I did a very light article on LinkedIn ages ago, just a, a brain dump on how ways of working as a PT completely translate into the corporate world as well. Uh, things like, well, not only the, you know, your mental health comes first over physical health because you can be physically fit, but mentally not healthy. If you're mentally healthy, that can actually enable you to then be physically healthy. So there's a a really strong alignment there with just getting outside and just moving and all the chemical interactions that happen in your brain. I won't go down that rabbit hole. It's another podcast. Um, But ways of working for being a PT is you have to be your own little soul trader. So you have to set yourself up with your ABN and get structured there. You need to know how to acquire new customers, clients. You need to show up on time and set up before they come. You need to ask them questions to understand where their headset is that day and then tweak the workout pending if they've had any injuries or they haven't slept or kids kept them up all night. Uh, and then there's a follow-up, right? So, and then how are you gonna structure it so that they're gonna hit certain milestones and improve along the way? All these little things uh, correlate into the workplace. So I love finding bits where you just can use the same structure repeatedly. That is, oh, that's really cool. And I think especially for others and I think we kind of we've talked about this a little bit where like other jobs where aren't necessarily related to say tech specifically because we're talking about tech today but they do align like especially like you just explained that like it aligns so so well but these skills are so transferable in the world right now where everything will help it doesn't matter mm-hmm. like the actual tech bits you can learn that like that's not the problem here like it's everything else that'll enable you to get to that place right but anyway, we're, we are going to end up in rabbit holes. Um, Telstra, <laughs> how did that go? So what did you start in, in Telstra? I know you mentioned you didn't want to work for big banks and now you're working for one of the biggest telcos. Like, how is that all about? I know. I mean, it's like when you're on a bike and you stare at a rock, you just inevitably hit the rock. Um, 
So yeah, I had a friend reach out saying that there was a, a team doing a really cool, they described it, which is what hooked me as sort of a startup within a big enterprise. I went, okay, well that I can do because I love the startup scene. I have my own going and I'm, you know, love the trials and tribulations and the challenges there. So I went in and luckily the team that was hiring was actually specifically looking for outsiders. So not someone who was an enterpriser for life, if that makes sense, solely because they needed a different outlook, a different way of working, um, maybe trying things a little bit differently in, in how protocols normally go in Telstra. And uh, it was sort of an analytical role. So not that I had experience in technology per se, I'm not a coder, I'm not an engineer. It was more mindset and strategy they were looking for so luckily they took a chance and, and brought me on and that was my intro and it was on TLI I've sort of been at Telstra Location Insights my entire career at Telstra so that's how I ended up there it was a very good decision I'm just gonna say and I think like <laughs> one of those things I'm like I mean that was kind of the same when they hired me at Redify and that was pretty Telstra purple stuff where I mean I did a degree in maths and statistics essentially and I came in and I remember talking to Rob, um, who, oh my God, gem of a human being. Um, like, I could never say enough good things about Rob Jarvis, I swear, at this stage. Mm-hmm. But like, I remember him in the interview just being like, I was like, look, I don't, I know things, but I don't know tech. Like, I don't know how to code. I did that very little in the degree. They're like, nah, you know how to think. You'll be fine. Like, we'll teach you everything else. And I think that chance, that like, that little bit of like, I'll take a leap kind of a thing. Yeah. Off so much well. And like, I mean... I'm so glad that they did take that leap. I'm like, yeah, and I'm moving to the other side of the world for that. Like, I'm grateful I did. Um, yeah. But yeah, so like Telstra, so TLI, like, so what does that role include? Like, I know you do a lot. Like, I kind of know what you do. But for the people who don't. Yeah. Well, it's evolved. So I started on the team as a product analyst, and then I was a product specialist, and then product manager, which kind of was just almost the same thing, just getting a bit deeper into a certain area and then deeper again into a certain area. So now as product manager, I, I kind of say product manager is the same title as a founder, except in, an, in a corporate setting, because you do the same thing. So again, that transferable skills of my startup over to, to PM, uh, you, you pretty much just if you were to draw a circle and then plunk a PM in the middle, their job is literally to liaise with all the stakeholders on that circle repetitively. So you just keep going in that circle with check-ins and stakeholders are so many different things. Um, Customers, pre-sale conversations, your management team, your stakeholders who you don't report into but are impacted by your decisions, uh, the development team, of course, uh, recruiting, any internal engagement pieces you need to do to understand internally what Telstra location is because Telstra is so huge. Communicating to everyone takes time. Uh, and then doing um, events and, and talking to it publicly and educating on what is Telstra location insights, what's a big data platform, what can and can't you do, what are the regulations. Uh, so that's kind of my day to day. And then the, the detailed stuff is just what what does the product look like today? Where are we going to go tomorrow? How are we going to make those decisions? Let's try it. Did it work? No. Did it work? Yes. That whole little micro world of micro, of product management. Yeah, that's my... I never actually fully understood what product management was, but that was like A plus, <laughs> honestly. That was so good. I'm like, I, I get it. Like, I mean, it's one of those things where like you see people, right? Like I saw you in the job, and like I know what you do, and I know how you work with other people. 
But that actually makes so much more sense, like in terms of how all the different blocks are running and you're the one kind of keeping everything in one place, like joined together essentially. And I think, mm-hmm. actually, sorry, and I know I've done this before, but if, like, I know you do this all the time, so, like, could you explain TLI really quickly? Because I feel like we've mentioned TLI a hundred times <laughs> at this stage, but for the people who don't, That's like, I mean, it's definitely not a very well-known thing outside of the people who do know it. Yeah, it's a, I love the product, actually. I, t- I t- can't really work on things I'm not passionate about, I've decided. So, Telestocation Insights, in a nutshell, everyone has a mobile phone. Those mobile phones ping with a physical tower, and that tower ping physically places you in a generic area. So we take those pings as counts, um, literally just one, two counts, and we aggregate and anonymize to project out to the national adult population to monitor crowd movements for various use cases. Um, They have to go through a very diligent risk analysis for ethical use cases, a privacy is top concern. So literally, um, yeah, there's there's a few use cases we can't do for those reasons, which is great, I fully support it. And it's a fascinating product, can do a lot of good, good use cases with it. I'm so, uh, yeah, like I think, so TLI was the first actual project I got to be on when I moved in, like when I started the role and stuff. I was just like, oh, this is, oh, it was just such a whole new world. I remember at the time being like, we're, we're tracking people. Like, excuse me, isn't this everyone's nightmare? But like the man, like, I mean, I actually literally worked on the anonymization stuff and I was like, oh, I see. Okay, we do, we do so much about like the ethics around it and stuff. But yeah, for the people who are about to be like, excuse you. I'm like, no, there is just, there is no way it can be tracked down to like a person. We do make sure like so much work is exactly. done around that. But okay, so the other thing I wanted to ask, though. Like, the startup kind of happened just before you got that job at Telstra. So how did that balance work? Like, how did you all f- figure that all bit out? <laughs> I did, I did. Did the balance work? I, no, um, but you have to make it. It's, it's the, the startup world is relentless. Um, you know, what's the failure rate? I think 99% of startups fail. Um, and I understand why they it's one of those things where probably the actual technology and the build isn't the hard part, it's the balance and you're paying for it yourself sometimes until you can prove investment. So it's insane. Um, I, for a while was, you know, up at five doing a PT session and then running, doing emails quickly on the commute to work and then probably half an hour late to work because of that. And then at lunchtime doing phone calls and then running home, walking the dog and then working again. So again, no kids, I'll caveat with that. Um, My family's overseas, so no family commitments other than really long Skype phone calls. And that's probably how I was able to do it. Uh, I was completely transparent with my boss at the time before I even got hired and said, just so you know, I have a startup. So if I'm ever late for work, I'm not lazy. I've just been up since five and trying to get stuff done so I can be present here. So we had really good communication. And as long as I got the job done, they were happy. So a lot of balance. I ended up taking a year leave from Telstra to take the startup live onto the app store and really push it for a year. We got a little bit of an investment which allowed me to do that. And so my job, what that meant was it was sort of on hold for a year. I didn't pull a salary, but I could have a year to go do something else outside of Telstra. So I took that. 
and got the, the app live. It wasn't turning revenue by the time that the year came up. So of course, living in Sydney, it's not cheap, had to go back to work begrudgingly, uh, but was able to go back onto TLI uh, and continue forth as product manager. So today my startup is still humming along in the backgrounds. It's not getting as much love as I'd like it to, but it's just impossible with having a full-time job. Um, if any founders are listening, try as hard as you can to be full-time on your startup to really give it a go, pull the pin if it's not working. It's my only little bit of feedback retrospectively. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a balance. But I mean, I, I think I get my energy from training. When I don't train, my energy drops. So that really motivates me. It clears your head so that you can pick up and drop different topics. I can move from TLI at Telstra to my startup without exhausting myself. And I know very well where my max capacity of effort is in the day. It's in the morning, so you obviously do the harder tasks in the morning, and then by three o'clock in the afternoon, you hit a wall, but it's okay because you've gotten everything you needed to done in the morning, and if you need to take a little whew, step back, three, I can. Um, but it's hard. It's not easy. It's definitely not for the faint-hearted. <laughs> I mean, from the sounds of it, you've mastered procrastination, which if I ever get around to it, I will let you know, because I mean, I, I know the same thing. I'm like, I know if I get and I don't like for me it's not more of a morning or evening thing it's more if I get the hard things done first I know I will feel better because I'm like the stress of it goes away like the not thinking about the bits of it and yet like I've still not been able to get around doing that in terms like fully like the podcast like I literally said I'll do this in July and I finally get around to it in January I'm like yep great I can't amazing was it as hard as you thought it would be though no, as in, I knew it wouldn't be. Like, that's the problem with it. Where, I mean, okay, I knew the setup bits in terms of, like, getting it hosted and all those kind of, like, actual, like, technical. I'm like, I know it'll take me, like, a week-ish, like, to get wait for times and things to come back. It'll take a week-ish to get it all going. And after that, it's literally just talking to people, which I love doing. And I'm like, I love hearing mm-hmm. other people's lives. So I'm like, after that, it's the easy bit. And I know I'll be fine with that. It was just that first, it was like, what, a couple of days of, like, investment. Into, and I'm like, why... Am I being like this? But I think it was a <laughs> bit of the lockdown played into it and all the other things. But anyway, procrastination. Yeah, I need to get I need to get around that. I mean, what better motivation to get around it than you literally tell me about the fact that you woke up at 5 a.m. and just did it because you wanted to do it. Um, yeah. So yeah, so you've got body fitness and for it sounds like what it does, I'm pretty sure. But you want to go explain that a little bit more? Yeah, so it's uh, it's in the App Store, not Android yet. Uh, but it pretty much is a platform where you go on and you put your location and the type of training you want to do. So boxing, yoga, PT, Pilates, and then it gives you a grid of all the fitness professionals in the area who are available to come to you and you can see their schedule and you just book a time and you book and pay in the app and you can chat with the trainer in the app as well to, to sort any stuff out. So uh, in theory, really great typical stand-up or startup stuff. There's always things that go wrong and break and things you need to fix and update. So um, yeah, that's, that's buddy fitness. <laughs> I love that. So, okay, actually, I know I said we wouldn't, I wouldn't do like any real deep, deep questions, but like one thing you've absolutely hated about the startup part and like one thing you've absolutely loved, what would those be? Sorry, this um, is more just out of my own interest at this stage. And I know you've no, met, no, like, touched on a few things. So I'm like, wherever you go with it, it's fine. <laughs> I think it's the um, one thing I hate about the startup world. Uh, I'm gonna, ooh, I'm gonna do two. Be greedy. One, one is my. I have a thing where I, I don't like relying on other people. Patience isn't a virtue of mine. I've been working on it. 
but it's really hard because I'm not a technical co-founder having to wait for new features or having to explain why we need new features or why that one's broken and it's not working. Um, that can be, I think, the, the biggest pain for me because I'm, I think, strategic product managers and technical side clash sometimes and neither is right or wrong but in the technical world it's if you click here 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 and here and it works it's done but in the product world if a customer is never going to click here to click there to click there it's broken so that language is a big friction point um, but definitely one you can get over so that's one thing i don't like is the dependency on that and the other is uh, if you're in a startup because some don't but if you're in a startup that requires funding meeting with investors um, who have egos just is my biggest woosa moment <laughs> I'll just leave that one there. That's another podcast again. But yes, if there's any investors listening, co-founders, do pick up on your egos and we do talk about you behind your back to other founders. So just a hot tip there. Oh, I like that. <laughs> and I think honestly at this stage, I mean, you can always just tell straight away when someone is going to be that humble bragger or whatever else. And humble brags, I mean, in the right context are great. Like, don't get me wrong. They're amazing to have, right? But then the people who are just mm-hmm. like, no, I do all those things. <laughs> I would love if you didn't do that to me. I'm like, I, I, I love everything you do. I'm like a, such a big supporter of like people doing all the things, but at the same time, I'm like, God, really? <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. Jason, the um, person I had on literally the episode before, my God, he has, I feel like she was talking about this with a friend who was listening. She's like, I feel like this guy just created the internet. Like he's been here the whole, like he's done everything. <laughs> And yet, the whole time, it doesn't feel like that. Like, he's just kind of like, yes, what I did, I'm surrounded by really cool people who did things. And I'm like, it's just such a different mindset. I think it leads to so much more in terms of if you're really appreciative of the people around you. Like, I mean, such a key point throughout every one of the jobs you've worked is the people were great. And the people are what make everything so much better in terms of, like, the things you'll learn. Like, the job is fine, right? You might learn something technical, but, like, the people are what will get you through to the other end of it. Totally. 100% 100% agree. That was such a ramble and I don't know where that one came from and went through, but like... <laughs> but it's true. It, it is true. true. I love it. But um, yeah, so the body fitness is kicking along. You're doing product management. Is that what's happening? Like, is that where we're at now? Like, is there plans for anything different? Like, do you want to take more time towards body fitness or what's the plan? Yeah. Oh, I think every founder would love to put more time towards their their child. Um. Yeah, so at Telstra Purple right now, at Telstra Location Insights, full-time, Monday to Friday, five days a week. And then the startup is on the side as well. That kind of hums along uh, evenings, weekends, and, and lunch hours. And then other than that, always studying and trying to learn new things. Um, one, two things I did that were on the list, uh, it was more around COVID and, and Christmas time, was I uh, wrote a kid's book for my niece and nephew and then popped that on Amazon, so lots of learnings there. And I posted all the tools I used on LinkedIn because people are like, I've always wanted to write a book. And I was like, me too, so I did it. It's actually not that hard, similar to your podcast. You just need to do it. It was so easy and free. Like you don't need to hire an illustrator for $800, which is, anyways. I'm so glad you brought this up yourself because I had complete, I literally was like the one thing I was like, I need to ask about the book because that was so cool. And I mean, for me, even like, I mean, like, the only re- the reason I found out is like, it just came up on my LinkedIn I'm like, excuse you like you did what like I'm so good I'm pretty sure you use Canva and stuff and I was just like that I use Canva I'm like I'm so good like all the product stuff for like the podcast like everything's on Canva and I'm like 
Yeah. That is amazing. Oh, that was really, really cool. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Because I want, like, yes, that was really well, cool. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not a novel. It's only a, like, 25-page kids book. Let's be real here. Um, but, yeah, I think the funnest thing for that one was um, finding out how to illustrate it for free. Because I'm already, you know, A, leaving Sydney, B, self-funded startup. So, not spending 1500 bucks on an illustrator which i found out is the going rate for a book anyways crazy if there's any illustrators your work is amazing but for us people on a budget not so amazing uh so i kind of was like i'll try canva and they have their 30-day free um you know pro license and i just uh, i mean i hope kids like it but the images are pretty simple it's like a blue blob with eyeballs on it and some eyelashes uh, so that was kind of fun, just going, all right, how can I hack the illustrations? Because I'm not the creative type, so I didn't really want to do a hangman situation stick thing. Uh, but yeah, that was fun, just using Canva and being like, how can I make this really basic? Because <laughs> I love how you're like, I'm not really creative, and yet found like the most creative solution to actually doing this. In terms of like, Let me just figure out a way, I'll get it done. <laughs> that was yeah, great. it's a plug for Canva, like tag them in this or something, because yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, yeah, like Sam, I feel like, I don't know if you ever met Sam, right? At Purple. Um, he was a grad who started at the same time as I did. He's at Canva now. Yes. Like, literally oh, always talking about Canva. <laughs> but like, yeah, yeah, he's doing such cool stuff. And every time he's like, oh my God, look at this thing I built. Like, I mean, I love the fact that you're telling me this, but also, wow, like you're really obsessed with Canva at this stage. It's great. I mean, I love the fact that he's like really passionate about it. But yeah, like. They hired the right person. That's what you want. <laughs> But no, Kim, I love that. Like, this was great in terms of everything's kind of just lined itself up that little bit, I think, in my head. I'm like, it's all just been people. Like, I'm trying to, like, narrow down everything that we talked about. Oh, so yeah. much about people. It makes such a difference. And I think the whole, like, having something to fall back to makes such a difference. And not being, like, really rigid around what you want to fall back to. Like, you were happy enough going back to retail. Like, so I know so many people who are like, can't be doing that. What will that look like if I did that? I'm like... Turn it whatever way you want, you'll be fine, right? But yeah, like that, yeah. oh, I love that. Just go do the things, just go take the risks, all about it, just do the things, say yes. We're just kind of what you do. I think that's why we get along. That weird like sense of, <laughs> you do you, I like that. <laughs> well, I'm no, glad you did take the time to come join in and help me out here today. I'm very happy. Thank you for having me, it's been a pleasure. Oh, look, look, I always love chatting to you. This is great. I get to find out more about people this way. And I'm like, <laughs> sailing club. Who saw that? You'll have well. to do, your number 10 should be reversed. Someone interviews you and learns more about a kinksha. Oh, I love it. Yes, we should make yeah. you that. Maybe I tune by the into time we get to number 10, I might actually have more things to talk about that I probably haven't already <laughs> said throughout these ones. But anyway, <laughs> I like that idea. Right, look, we'll leave it off here and we'll catch up soon. So that was the amazing Kim McIntosh and I just love that she's been always willing to take the scary steps towards what she thought was the best choices for her. I am in awe of the dedication and the motivation that this woman has to just get the job done and hopefully this will get me to stop my own procrastinating ways, however I am realistic and kind of know it's unlikely. But we'll be back in two weeks time with another episode and our guest Jill O'Sullivan, one of my best friends from college. Um, in 2014, we both started in the same mathematical sciences degree and have ended up on completely different career journeys. Um, Jill is currently a PhD student working on leveraging machine learning in microbiome research. Um, her work is just astounding to listen to and I am so, so excited to chat to her about it all. 
see you in two weeks time and hope you've had a great time